Hello, and thank you for listening to Let the Right Films In, once a podcast about the IMDb 250, now a podcast about, you know, I checked my notes here, and it's just like uh, something scribbled out, and they're just like drawings of pumpkins and ghosts and like little spiders, so I think that's what we're about now. Anyways, we're back uh, with a very special guest today, but first of all, I am your host, Tyler Hannon. With me is my co-host, Kayla St. Anj. Hello. And Lauren on the other end. Hi. And our special guest is Stephen Cognetti. Stephen, thanks for being on. Love to be here, guys. Thanks for having me on. All right. Stephen is the director of Hell House uh, LLC and the upcoming sequel. But first, we're going to uh, forego our usual format, talking about recently watched things, to talk specifically about one movie. And that movie is Lake Mungo. I feel like something bad is going to happen to me. It hasn't reached me yet, but it's on its way. The normally tranquil setting of Ararat's mortal damage. Ten days after Ellie's funeral, stuff started happening around the house. Sounds seemed to come from Ellie's old room. They didn't really relent, so I thought, well, I'll just set up a camera to, you know, see anything. I looked back and there was footage of a figure moving across the hallway. The image was quite unsettling because it certainly looked like us. I feel like something bad has happened. It hasn't reached me yet, but it's on its way. To start with Lake Mungo, uh, Stephen, we gave you a list of a couple different movies uh, seeking, like uh, looking to kind of keep it on theme with either like a haunted house or a found footage type movie. And Lake Mungo was the one you picked. And I just wanted to start with, why did you pick that one? When I saw Lake Mungo, uh, it was back when uh, Netflix didn't do digital. They just did uh, DVD rentals. And I, I didn't, and through the, you know, you, you just waited for whatever was in your queue to come in the mail. And that was back in like 2009, I want to say. and I don't think I would have ever found Lake Mungo if I didn't just like trust my cue to send me DVDs. And I'm so happy that came in the mail uh, because I don't, I learned a new style of found footage through Lake Mungo that I don't think had happened yet, which was uh, showing scares through the documentary style, which, you know, everyone knows like found footage is meant to make thing, you know, make the scares feel more real. Uh, but when you do it through a documentary like Lake Mungo did, it just takes that that feeling to a whole new level because it, it makes you feel like you're watching an episode of 60 Minutes or something or, you know, like a, a Dateline or something like that. And then uh, so to know that you can scare people through the documentary, a, fin- a finish, a complete like, you know, Blair Witch was, you know, documentary filmmakers that, you know, ne- they never finished their film. It was just we saw the raw footage, but to actually see a finished, completed documentary, um, I thought was so cool and not really done yet and that's what lake mungo did it was so creepy like and just like subtly creepy and that's what i loved about it and i guess I, you know i didn't even introduce uh the uh, particulars of lake mungo so I'll, I'll i'll belatedly do that now as you said uh documentary released uh, or documentary style movie released back in 2008 it was right when the uh the found footage craze started coming out less than a year after paranormal activity and i think i really enjoy thinking about it through that lens kind of comparing the two Uh, at least like, you know, what they do. And obviously one took off and the other is kind of like a, a cult favorite, I guess. But 
uh, yes, it was a really interesting watch because I had not seen it uh, until now, like a decade after it came out and after you saw it. And so I kind of have to like go back in time to think about how, I don't know, where it fits in. Like, as you said, the the how it does the scares, I found really fascinating. Are um, watching it for the first time just recently? Mm-hmm. Uh, think- yeah. <laughs> I actually, I have a funny story about this. I used to work at a video store and the only website that we had access to was IMDb. So this was, I used to, when we were slow, I would literally just spend all day reading movie synopses and trivia on IMDb. And I realized as I was watching this, that that was one of the ones that I had like stumbled upon. <laughs> so I knew of it, but I had not seen it. And, and you guys don't think you'd watched it because like it wasn't on a lot of your radars or like the premise like didn't really appeal to you. I'd never heard of it like ever. Right. So it wasn't on your radar. All right. Yeah. I, I love Australian horror. So I'm surprised that I'd never heard of it before. I think for me, it was on my radar, but on, I think that at the time that I had heard of it, there wasn't really a way to get a hold of it. Yeah. And then I forgot about it until right now when we watched it for the podcast. Right. Yeah, I think it, it wasn't for an algorithm. I don't think I like whatever they use to queue up movies for you in the Netflix DVD. I don't think I would have heard of it either. So, you know, it's a lot of people's least favorite things that led to us actually seeing it. The, uh, the Netflix algorithm. And then uh, for me, I found I just keep seeing it on like listicles of like, oh, found footage horror movies that you haven't seen. And, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And that's kind of all I knew about it is it just would appear on lists. Um, yeah. I will say the fact that it's Australian, uh, I have like, this is probably a very limiting perspective, but I feel like most of the Australian horror movies I see are like the most harrowing things in the world. And this felt so much more melancholy than I expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you're right. And I just saw, I've recently just saw another uh, Australian film where there's some, a couple gets lost in the outback and um, they get terrorized by another group of guys. And it's, yeah, you're right. It's like darker, it's more intense. And and this was, yeah, you're right. This one was a lot more, I can't remember the name of the other one, but maybe you guys can if you watch a lot of Australian horror. I feel like generally everything in Australia is trying to kill you. So that's like where they get that from. <laughs> I'm thinking like a Snowtown Murders, Wolf Creek. Um, the Loved Ones. The Loved, loved ones, ones, yeah. Yeah, just, uh, they just, I feel like oftentimes I hear that accent. They're making me feel really bad. <laughs> but I actually, this is a little off topic, but has anyone seen the Netflix series American Vandal? No. The no. parody? Oh, okay. <laughs> I would be, I, it's, it's, it's a comedy that it's, it's a faux documentary that kind of parodies the true, uh, uh, true crime styles of like serial. I'm like, I would really enjoy a series that kind of took on like a supernatural faux documentary, but that's a whole mm-hmm. other thing. So this, this movie, uh, to set up the plot, I guess, to give us like a, uh, here I can, I'm okay, very Kayla, good at, I'm yes, very good at two sentence synopsis. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's about a 16 year old girl that drowns at a lake. And her parents, while trying to deal with their grief over her death, discover that she may have been leading a double life and that her ghost may be trying to communicate her double life to them. That was very concise. Thank you. It was much better than I would have done. (laughs) Yeah, same. But I I think... It's such a a stylish movie. Like That was what I loved about it. So many of the... I guess overarching shots where they were doing the time lapses around the house and everything were just absolutely gorgeous. And it's very rare that a found footage, quote unquote, movie is pretty. <laughs> so it was nice to have that kind of cinematic feeling to it. Yeah, I, I feel like I, I, I showed my cards before uh, I'd known uh, you guys uh, how you feel about the movie. I'd like I just like gushed over it. Oh, that's and, perfect. Like, 
you guys know where I stand. I, I love this film, but um, I would generally like to know you guys haven't been fresh on it. Um, like, are, are you guys giving it your, your thumbs up? Are you like so so on it? What are, what are you thinking? I think. Well, I think Tyler liked it most. <laughs> I liked it more yeah. for the style. I was surprised. I think yeah. so. I'm gonna I'm gonna be cl- like, what happened was I watched Hell House LLC first, and I was really excited about it and really hype. And then I watched this movie, and it was just so much more subdued that I think it was. Oh, yeah. just, I feel like if I had watched them in the opposite order, I would have been more engaged in it. But again, I really liked the style of it. And there were definitely a lot of good sudden scares in it or just like back, maybe not sudden, but more background where I would be watching and I would feel like I was a little bit losing interest and then I would notice something and I'd be like, okay, all right, I'm back in. It's good. <laughs> like that kind of reaction to it. Ended up being much more of a like meditation on grief with a subtle mm-hmm. supernatural element. Yeah. And I was not, I did not know it was going to be so low key because I, I don't know. I feel like most of the places I had seen it and then like subconsciously associated with were either like much more harrowing or active. Lauren, I think it's fair to say you liked it the least of us. Probably. I see. I like with like Kayla, I like the style, like probably most. Um, I just found it a little slow, but I am going to be excited. So I'm working on a paper um, for a conference about uh, grief and the way it's portrayed in Pet Cemetery, And I'm definitely going to cite Lake Mungo as an example of like another way uh, grief can be explored through film because that's probably my favorite aspect of it. Um, it was such a unique exploration of grief. Like, and it was just so like profoundly sad. And I thought, especially like the acting of um, the son character was so just like broke my heart every time he was speaking on screen. Yeah, all the performances seemed so authentic, which really drove that documentary feel mm-hmm. that you were watching a real documentary on a real. Mm-hmm. I think I liked it a little bit more, but the thing that really sold me, or multiple things, were like the last probably twenty minutes or so um, between like oh, the yes. biggest scare of the movie. Uh, and kind of like the mm-hmm. reveal of what is actually going on with what is actually going on with Alice. And then the way that across time it's uh, pe- like, uh, pieces together and goes back and forth between the two, uh, the Alice and her mother, both sitting with Ray, the, uh, what was his? He's like a psychic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Psychic. The way like it partnered their both their sittings with him. Uh, oh, that was a really good scene. Yeah, that was, like just. Oh, yeah, that was really cool. I, just I, it was the very the way it revealed uh, that kind of subtle supernatural nature to it, and how like there is an element of uh, crossing time that is yes. very. I, it didn't really feel like at first like a movie that was doing a lot of red herrings and taking us around, around the wrong direction. But then in the end, it to- ended up totally surprising me because it had feigned at being supernatural and and feigned at being like more just straight up true crime and then kind of debunked or like disproved both of those before coming around to this uh, really unexpected place. Agree. I did like that. I was unpredictable when the son admitted to like doctoring the photos and videos. I was genuinely shocked. Like I, I think I said like, "What the hell?" Like on my computer screen or something. <laughs> I was a little bit mad. I was like, I was creeped out during all of these pictures and videos, and you were just messing with me. Such a great job with sound design. Every time they did those those slows. Oh yeah. The sound is so creepy that they're using, and if you're watching it by yourself in the dark, you just like you don't like you look over your shoulder. It's just so creepy. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah, we were blessed with like a really nice, gloomy, rainy day yesterday for me to prep for this. So I was really excited about that. 
Yeah, I kept I kept expect- expecting uh, someone to prove to be truly terrible, and that that did happen with the neighbors. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I I guess uh, more of the people in her life. I I feel like uh, maybe it's just because we're inundated with true crime content. But I kept expecting like ah surprise murderer, and I yeah. think part of that's my expectation was part of what so the why the ending sold it for me because it ended up being instead of a who done it a much more like. Uh, like sad but soulful. it was just a tragedy yeah, yeah. well and for mm-hmm. me too like on top of it being about this family's grief i think it's really poignant that even as a ghost it was just this girl trying to you know make herself understood which is a very like i think universal teenage girl experience mm-hmm. and there's that scene where uh, like it, it what, I, what i think is like some of the cooler payoffs in the film is when you see she's out in the desert at night with her, with her friends that are on that retreat and she's burying her cell phone in the middle of the night. Um, and her friends, someone, you see a, a shot of her burying her cell phone into the ground. Mm-hmm. You wonder, you're like, and, and then the question is what would have terrified this girl so much that she, her, she had to bury her phone, not just like throw it away, not just delete whatever, whatever she had to bury it. And that's, I think that's such a clever, cool reveal about what she saw and what her phone captured on uh, that night is, in and, and that itself is just—it's so—it's just—it's so clever. It goes to, back to the time thing. It's just, it's just like foreshadowing, and what she foreshadowed about herself that night, and was captured on film. And for her uh, family to go back and find that itself, it just, it's just—it's so, very well uh, conceived plot devices that got, that got them there. I thought the graininess of like those early cell phones, and then. You know, when the, when the figure starts, like, coming out of the dark and then the screen freezes. Oh, my God. That was probably the most terrifying part of the was movie. Was that when you texted us and you were like, JK, scary? I was like, I'm so scared. <laughs> and they juxtapose that with the shot of her at her corpse in the, from the lake. Yes. Mm-hmm. I was and it's, it's so like good. And, you know, and so, and like, yeah, ah, that's, I can't say enough. Just, and that's the thing. It's so creepy without really doing much and it's it's and that that's what i love about that film because it achieves so much it, it might it you know you might say it's slow here its scares are few and far between but the one when it really creeps you out it, it it's so creepy and it's so authentically creepy yeah. not not in any cheap way it really gets you and uh, and that's why i think it's worth it even though yeah i mean it's it's a little slow in times it's not as intense as some other found footage movies but, or horror movies in general but uh, for those reasons i appreciate it it reminded me of being a kid and watching like unsolved mysteries kind of mm-hmm. and just that kind of yeah. creeped out feeling that i used to get while watching that even though it wasn't maybe traditionally I'm creeped out you by the opening the opening credit music of unsolved mysteries like, <laughs> oh <laughs> my god it's, yeah it's very creepy and i was yeah. i was like a weird little kid i was super obsessed with <laughs> unsolved mysteries my parents were not happy about it so and then they'd be like why like i would have nightmares about it and they'd be like well why do you keep watching it and like it just it very much had that same feeling like that same mystery tv show feeling mm-hmm. my version was some show called like factor fiction and it just made me afraid of mannequins for my entire life <laughs> yep i remember that show in the doll episode bye yes oh my god and i have hated <laughs> mannequins and dolls ever yeah, since I'm, now I'm very intrigued. What's so, the um, basic, basically, I think it's like the babysitter or something like kills this family or this like these this couple and makes it look like a suicide. Um, and then the doll keeps speaking to her, and she's like, "Why did you kill my mommy?" 
and you were watching this as a child and i just so <laughs> my parents didn't know just so scary and like i watched that when i was very very young and i thought it was a twilight zone episode for the longest time and then i found out what it was and then i i can hear that voice as clear as day in my head still are these like based on like real like true true stories the I don't, I don't know what the show is i got the i got the wikipedia page oh. here <laughs> beyond belief fact or fiction mm-hmm. Let's see. It's an American television anthology series. Uh, each episode featured a story, all of which defied logic, and some of which were allegedly based on true events. Yeah. So you had to decide if they were fact or fiction. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, at the end of the show, it was revealed. I don't remember that part. I only remember seeing the creepy stories <laughs> that scarred me forever. Yes. <laughs> so for all i know mannequins really did attack that warehouse manager and throw their parts at him it's very don't like mannequins. anyway yeah the best movie oh i i was i I had a point that was actually gonna be related to lake mungo (laughs) which was like the way that it fell slow but then uh realized later like oh it's because the uh it's not actually important uh it's not it's not even it's not necessarily about like the scares or the uh the lurid details but it's actually like building up the each each of them family members their relationship to alice and what they did and didn't know and i don't really exploring their grief you know it's really Mm -hmm. just like a meditation on the human condition and the mm-hmm. fragments of memory that we leave behind. Just... <laughs> that was good. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I really liked uh, how it ended. It just really yeah. I, hit me a certain way that made me very emotional. And uh, the kind of way like good horror movies have the endings that stick with you. And that actually uh, really, I don't know if it sold me on the movie, as I've said. Yeah, I think a lot of our favorite horror movies are those kind of meditative, uh, slow burn movies. So we also like the movies that are like you where you think it's going to be a straight up horror movie. And then you're surprised like, oh, no, it's it's just going to make you feel bad and sorrowful. <laughs> but it's just about yeah. loss and grief. And Please how see nothing our episode really on Hereditary. <laughs> oh, my God. Me yelling all over everyone. <laughs> I've heard that about Hereditary. I have yet to see it. Um, because oh, I, 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 I have kids, so I <laughs> never get to the theater anymore. But uh, so I wait for everything to come out on VOD. And uh, and uh, that it's just great. came out on VOD. So I cannot wait to sit down and watch it. Yeah, watch it. I have to say watch it in like as dark of a room as possible yes. because the lighting is very important. Okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Maybe don't show it to the kids. Yeah, don't show it to the kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like you know that part, though. Put them to bed and then watch it. <laughs> All right. Take a, hold on. Taking down the notes. And we're <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah no hereditary like it's what like best lighting situation possible and like the nicest tv like the nice whatever your, the peak settings are really For gotta sound. get those yeah There's, i guess the, the sound and the lighting are the two big big guys you know that makes it yeah. actually related to what we've been talking about then yeah <laughs> all but, horror movies are related <laughs> I, I, I was just gonna say i keep talking about like the emotional part of it and not yeah. so much about like some of the fun technical details that are in it like uh, i guess we've talked a bit about some of the technical stuff but there are cer- are there certain uh ways that the um, Joel Anderson, I believe, was the director. Like the way that he did things in there that you found particularly like uh, interesting, or like you know maybe took a few notes on. Like, oh, I might have to try that sometime. Well, for uh, for me, the one question I had, and, I, and maybe you guys uh, might know this, um, is the the footage that the brother shot um, overnight. The, the 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 like um, I didn't know like what kind of camera was he using because I know like the cell phone footage was really grainy, but it seems like the 
the video he was taking overnight was also very grainy. And I'm, I don't like know. I forget what year this was supposed to be based in. Was it like 2005? I think it was 2005. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, for me, I think he was just using a video camera, maybe like a VHS video camera, like, like a cam, like a camcorder. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I didn't understand like why that was itself. Because that was so grainy. And but I think like, but I liked it for the imagery of it. I think the, the like the the less is more. The less we're able to see is better. And mm-hmm. more grainy things are, you know, I, I would not for this movie, like a nice, crisp, high def image looking down the hallway would not work for this. So I'm glad that didn't happen. But I just didn't know exactly what, what he was using um, to shoot that overnight stuff, though. But it was it was really interesting. And it looked great. So I was mm-hmm. happy about that. Yeah, I had to I was about 20 minutes in and I had to like go to the Wikipedia page to remind myself what year it was supposed to be taking place in and like trying to remember what technology was like in 2005. But I just assuming he was probably like an old family camcorder or something that he dug out of the basement. It didn't seem yeah. like it was like his main thing that he liked to do because the right. other people Doesn't had kind well. of grainy vid- uh, video footage as well. So I think it's meant to just be, it's just how it was. Plus it makes for okay. creepier images. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a really effective tool. Uh, do we have any other points we'd like to make on Lake Mungo before moving on to our feature presentation? <laughs> uh, if I could just say, um, sorry if I cut anyone off. Um, what the, what I took away from Lake Mungo that I, I loved is the fact that it's a completed documentary and not like recovered footage. Uh, and I think that is makes it so in, in a different league than what we know as found footage films. And And that is where I got a lot of inspiration from is that you can, if you you can do so much more with your scares if you're not saying this is just raw recovered footage. This is actually footage that has been um, shot and edited and compiled together by person X um, involved with uh, production. Therefore, you can do things like go back, re-rack um, footage, um, show, uh, do things like uh, do things like they would do in uh, Unsolved Mysteries. Zoom in on a picture, analyze that picture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and like uh, it was, we did it once in Hell House. We we passed by a room and then we rewound that footage to see what we saw in that room. And when you can, you're able to do that in the world of a finished documentary. You couldn't, you can't do that if you're restricted to something like where Blair Witch, where we're just we're just presented with raw footage. Um, so I think it just gives you a better. And, and Lake Mungo did it uh, amazingly. They they give you that avenue to just uh, add an- more layers onto the scares. So I, I love the film for that. I think mm. it's. Classic. I have a real soft spot for found footage movies. So I like anything that's mm-hmm. I don't know a cut above the rest. I guess that's like a little bit more involved. And I'm also really glad you mentioned that because I wanted specifically to ask you if that was something that you had taken notes on because watching them back to back, that was the first thing that I noticed that that kind of like cut zoom was added into both of them yeah it's, it's like i i would have uh like going into it I, I knew i wanted to make uh what i said was um what i always told people it's uh it's blair witch blair witch meets 60 minutes and, and then uh and, and so like in that being being like it's a 60 minutes episode on it on an incident on on a tragedy that happened and so like and when the blair witch comparison comes in where it's found footage but 60 minutes comes in where it's it's not just, it's not raw footage. We're actually we have interviews. We have, we're 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 talking about what we're seeing and we're we're walking through everything. And uh, that's how I sold it to people. And then Lake and Lake Mungo was kind of like, see, like like it can, like you can show a, a finished documentary and it could be really creepy. And it was always good to know that Lake Mungo was out there. And and it's a cold film. It has cold status and people love it. And so I was always able to. I, I love that that was out there. They did that. So I was able to say like, see, you can creep people out through a finished documentary. So. 
Still, we haven't seen more of that. I wonder if that's because of the because of the specific found footage movies that became big, like it was Blair Witch and Paranormal Activity, which were uh, like do have those limitations. And it's a good point. Those like those limitations of found footage are can be kind of arbitrary. Uh, you just get to do a lot more transparent editing tactic or uh, yeah, editing uh, tricks when you're. It's, uh, well, the premise is like, oh yeah, this is someone went into this and edited it and did some more investigation. Like you can add so many more layers. So yes, I agree. I guess. <laughs> yeah, it, it, you're able to do so much more with the stairs, I think, uh, and so that 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 that's yeah. why I did it that way. I think it's mostly a budget thing because, like, unfortunately, found footage is the most we can just churn out ten of these and make a million dollars on them kind of movie. Okay. So I. I'm always really yes, happy when there's somebody who wants to turn them out and make a million dollars. Well, I mean like, so like a, like a Blumhouse movie kind of thing where, yeah, no, I, I know <laughs> yeah, where they have like a $5 budget <laughs> and then they put it in theaters and it's fine. <laughs> That's easy for them to do. Yeah, you're right. The budgets are low and, and they put it into theaters and yeah, you're right. They're going to gross like 20 million open. Mm-hmm. So I would love to see more of that kind of artistic slant to it. I think. But, you know, now the money can stretch further. So the same amount of money, you might be able to make more. Uh, you might be able to do a little more with your found footage movie than you were able to before. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. At least that's, you know, that's what they told me. That's the Tyler talks too. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Lauren, do you have any final points, or? Uh, no, I'm like ready to just fangirl over Hell House. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. So let's move on to Hell House. that night at the Abaddon Hotel. What is that? It's everything. Sarah, have you watched those? No. So you have no idea what's on them. How beautiful is this? Hell House. All right, so Hell House... Am I going to just describe what Hell House is to the uh, Yes, Hell, Hell House LLC <laughs> is written and directed by Stephen Cognetti and is about a group of friends who are trying to put together a haunted house before Halloween to make money and stuff goes wrong. <laughs> I like that it's like their business. Like that's what they do. They yeah, like go yeah. around and create new haunted houses every we have year. A, we have an orchard near here that kind of, it's like not, they don't move around or anything, but they have stuff like that. I was... Actually, sorry, I said interject with a funny story <laughs> in which literally before we watched this movie, I was like, this is the year that I think I am brave enough to go to a real haunted house because I love horror movies, but I am really afraid of like being touched at a, at a haunted house. And I was like, all right, this is it. This is the year and then I watched this movie and I was like, never mind. I changed my mind. No, <laughs> they have specific rules about that. You could just read the rules. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> um, I guess what's the, Lauren, would you like to give your first impression? <laughs> uh, okay, so my mom and I do this thing when I'm home um, on vacation where we try to pick like, so Amazon Prime is an incredible selection of horror movies. And we were just like kind of combing through like what was on Prime. And and then we saw Hell House and my mom was like, ooh, 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 is it about teenagers getting killed? Because, you know, that's my favorite. And I was just like, so we so we just ended up kind of not teenagers, but we ended up just like just pecking it at random. And 
I it is easily one of my favorite horror movies. It is just so it's so scary and it's almost like a subversion of like the found footage like genre. Like it's just so good and the ending and I remember tweeting at you uh, Steven and saying like oh my gosh, like that's how you end a horror movie because I feel like you can watch a really good horror movie and then the ending just falls so flat and is so abrupt. And then this ending was just just so good. Like I just I have no complaints at all. I love it for that because I like I get so much uh, grief for um, the ending. A lot of people a lot of people didn't like the I I really? and it was cool, but like I get a lot of uh, uh, the ending fell flat. The ending like uh, I so I, I I I when I saw your tweet, I was like, oh, that's so nice of her. Someone <laughs> <laughs> like the ending. <laughs> we are firm believers in the ending. <laughs> it was like the only way to end it. Like, how, how else could it have ended? You know what I mean? Like, I, I loved that she was dead the whole time. Because you start kind of realizing, like, about halfway that something is just not right at all with her. And then, so I was, oh, I screamed at the end. <laughs> I love a good, like, final, like, jump scare. Oh, so great. Yeah. My mother, my mother agrees. <laughs> okay, good. My, my mother does too. She loves it too. So. Hell House LLC official horror movie for moms. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah I, there are so many good, I'm not sorry. It sounds really like over the top, but there are so many things that I really enjoyed about this plot wise, the ending included. I really enjoyed the fact that there was information missing, if that makes sense, because mm-hmm. my biggest gripe with found footage is there are so many things that are on film that nobody in their right minds would ever film. I like that the characters have these conversations and when they realize they're getting too close to like something that they don't want recorded. They turn off the camera, they put it away, and then we come back to them later. And so there's that air of mystery throughout. And I also like the intense ambiguity throughout all of it. There are so many movies and television shows, especially these days, that, you know, try to implement the many ways that we have to record video now. And it's usually not great. Although I think we're getting some really good examples of that in recent years. So I really enjoyed how the, uh, you were able to piece together things like uh, the like the crew's own video footage, camera footage from people going through uh, YouTube videos, TV interviews and uh, footage from the night of. I thought it was just really smartly uh, pieced together. Uh, you know, almost like if it were an actual de- yeah, documentary. Yeah, no, well, I, I love... So the thing that I love the most about it was how the footage was interspersed with the documentary sections like they are going through the footage in real time mm-hmm. well, maybe not in real time since they're putting together a documentary mm-hmm. but like it felt like real time and then asking questions based on what they just saw kind of thing so yeah. I guess I'm curious, what was your writing process like for this was it kind of just like all at once or was it over the course of a long time it was over the course of a long time. It, it, the the first I, I always joke about this with people is that the first draft of this of the script um, that I, I only share um, my first drafts of any script with my brother because uh, he's very critical with me on my scripts and like I'm so embarrassed that he read that first draft <laughs> and I always talk about it. I'm like never ever show anyone or tell anyone about that first draft and it was because it was I was trying to work this story that didn't really fit um, as a traditional narrative shot um, footage um, film and uh, so I reworked it. And uh, I had a eureka moment at, at one at one point about it, and it just totally changed the direction of the script. And I did a rewrite, 
And um, most of the rewrite, it took me a while to, fill, the, the, to write it. It took me a couple of years to write it, uh, not because it was like such a, like a complex script. You know, obviously it's not, uh, you know, it's, it, the, the writing is, is nothing incredible or anything. But what, I, what took me so long on the writing was uh, I wanted to make sure the scares were, uh, I, I just wanted to make sure our, our scares were not cliche, as much as possible at least, and um, were very subtle. It just it all we're all coming from the same place. They're very subtle. Um, less is more. I I didn't want any cheesy jump scares, and uh, I wanted to make sure they they were like as original as as can be to the setting and to what we were doing. And so uh, a lot of a lot of rewrites just came with like changing scares, saying ah oh, that's that's so cliche. I'm getting rid of that. That's uh, that I've seen that before. I don't want it. I'm not doing that again. And then trying well, what can I? How can we scare these characters? in you know the beginning of the third act here i need a i need something something needs to jump here and then like so that that process took a while and i was working full time in new york city at the time getting on the subway at 7 30 a.m so i'd get up every morning at 5 a.m uh write a few pages hop on the subway and the subway back uh to work and back from work i would just constantly be thinking about what i just wrote and then when i got home i just start writing some more and before i just fall asleep at like nine o'clock and then uh, my wife loved me uh, <laughs> So that that was the writing process. It's just rewriting. Just it was mo- the rewrites came mostly just to perfect the, the scares and make sure that our characters were believable. And then uh, I knew I knew they were going into it. I knew there was a there's a lot of ambiguity to the story. And that and, and I I agree what you said. I, I love ambiguity in horror movies. I don't like everything presented to us in a silver platter at the end. Um, I, I like to think about what might like fill in the pieces myself. Like what might have been. Like what's what's the mystery. So, um, yeah, that, that's pretty much the process of it. Where did you come up with the, the, the clowns? Because that was, I know <laughs> clowns normally don't scare me, okay? But all of those right. scenes, I spent with, oh, my, they, I've never screamed so loud. Like, when the clown is, when you, it cuts to the shot of, like, looking down the basement, and then it cuts back, and he's staring right at the camera. I, I screamed so loud that my cats did not come out of hiding for, like, two hours. Yeah, I gotta, (laughs) (laughs) um, I gotta tell you, like, I think that, uh, I think people have been getting clowns wrong for a long time in movies. I think clowns have been overdone in horror movies. And I think the reason is that they is, is they people overdo the clown. The clown is too much. It's got big nose, colors everywhere, and it's too it's moving, and it's like it's like hey kids, and it's talking, and it's like that's not a creepy clown. A creepy clown is the one that doesn't move, and you don't, and it has doesn't have it has dull features. It doesn't have much going about it. It's like that creepy oil painting, uh, you know, like uh, that uh, probably every kid has seen in like growing up somewhere. And it, 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 it scares you just by not moving and not doing anything. And you don't trust it because of that. And I think a lot of movies have been doing clowns um, outside of it. I, and I think it, the re- most recent it, I mean, they did, they blew it away. That was awesome. And mm-hmm. like, they, 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 they had that clown doing everything and it worked. I, like uh, my, my hat's off to them. But like a lot of other, on our style, on our side of film, like more of the, the lower budget films do a lot of, um, it's 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 just over it's too exaggerated so the features are too exaggerated and the movements are too exaggerated I, a clown chasing me with an axe down a hallway would never scare me it's like that's just like silly but when a clown does something subtle in the background that to me is terrifying so um in the early drafts of the script um one of the, the one of the scares that lasted from the first draft of the script to the very last one we shot with was um the uh, scene uh, where they wake up in the middle of the night and they and the, comes out of the bedroom, the clown standing at the bottom of the steps. 
Oh my god! Oh, <laughs> oh <laughs> my god! Yeah. Oh. So, and the thing, and the thing is great about that is that it's not doing it; it's just standing there. It's a mannequin. It's 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 just standing. But like the whole thing is like is what you don't know. How did it get there? Why is it standing there? Uh, you don't trust it, right? And so it's what you don't know that makes you scared. And that's what I, I went into this the whole thing, and I told everyone: first dance set is less is more. Subtlety is everything, and every scene we did, and and I feel like that that clown is the epitome of less is more. It's just a white face, mm-hmm. with black eyes. It's that's not. It doesn't have much to it. But to see it there, standing at the bottom of the steps, was um, the way that scene was originally shot. It was like they they came. They were out um, after one night of working. They they came. They came. They were out of the bar. They came home, and the clown was like like where it shouldn't be after that. And and then someone had to like they're like what's it doing there someone had to like slowly walk up to it so i had always written, written the scene where some, someone's like with building energies like someone's slowly approaching the clown um it's sw- at the scene through drafts the scene switched to them waking up in the middle of the night and it's moved but uh that that's the one scene that uh has like it was, that, that scare has always been there from the first uh from the first draft on and the way you describe how you write the scare is really uh underlines what i enjoyed about it is the the scares are all like so perverse because you don't ever see anything happen it's just something is in the wrong place or like is set the wrong way and like you knew you put it down a certain way you had its face face in a certain way but maybe you're they're all in this place where it's like so upsetting because your reality has been upset your paradigm or whatever has been shifted but it's just subtle enough especially early on that like i understand how they can talk themselves into maybe it's fine yeah i really There's enjoy the way that they all how their i guess their fear escalates because if you work in a haunted house and your literal job is to set up haunted houses it like i don't know it just makes sense to me and you that work they with wouldn't some pranksters well yeah like they wouldn't be as scared at first and it takes like why it takes them so long to figure out that something well maybe they, they figure it out sooner but why they take so long to let on that something is wrong mm-hmm. And I don't know. Yeah, they're just like a really good group of characters, too. Like, I really felt like they were really organic friends. And I think you did a really great job of within the first part of the movie kind of crafting that that heart at the center of the movie. So, like, we really care about all of these people and what they end up going through. Yeah. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad you like that. My um, a lot. My, the first uh, screening of it for my investors, they're like, "This is so slow. We got to get to the scares." And I'm, I was like, um, "We got, but we need we need that build up. We, we we have to care about these people. We have to know why they're feel you know feel for them. Why they're what they're doing. We have to know what they're doing. Why they're doing it. Their relationships. So um, that whole first act is a, is a lot of build up. Uh, you get you get a few small payoffs like of scares. It's like a like very subtle things and. And I, I wanted to do that slow burns, like something small happens, something small happens, and slowly through their stay, like the scares build, and like where it's just like, why the hell are they here? Why are they, are they still staying in this in this place? And which was the toughest part of the writing too, I think, was um, um, trying to convince the audience why they didn't just run. And most people, one of the questions I get asked the most um, is, is is just is that like like what was it that kept them there? Why didn't they? You know, why didn't they? Why, what did you know? what was the secret that kept them there and why didn't they run? So, and that's one of the things we, we kept ambiguous. Mm-hmm. So that was something that was one of the scenes that most stuck out to me was when I was talking about the, the camera being put down for serious conversations when, um, they're yeah. be, when they're explaining to each other why they have to stay. And it was one of those things where I really liked it, but I also at the end of the movie was like, but why? <laughs> like, 
It was so easy. I don't know. <laughs> you could have left. That's how like, but I think that's where so many horror movies fall flat is they rush to get to the scares. And yes. it's like, I don't know. I don't want to watch a movie that's just a bunch of people dying in scary and like sad ways because like, I don't, I, I don't, there has to be like an emotional payoff to a sad or a happy ending. And if you don't care about any of the characters, then I, I think that the best part of a horror movie is one that sticks with you and one that you think about when it's over. And the way to make that happen is to make people actually care about the characters. So I didn't think it was slow at all. I thought that beginning with like the tragedy and then like walking us kind of just through the backstory was, was perfectly done because you know, every, they all tried to be so chill about it and like, Oh, it'll be great. It can be a great opening. And, but you have that sense of dread the entire movie um, and so it was like that it was a really great buildup. Like it was like I liked having that anxiety the whole time. Because you've seen you you've seen in the beginning how it ends. You know that it's building up to a tragedy and we're we're on our way to that tragedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess that's what you're yeah, it we open up seeing the tragedy through the YouTube video, the Torgor video. So mm-hmm. um, if anything, was it always set up like that? Like when the investors watched it, is it basically the same product they saw now at the end? I say product. Product maybe is the best word. Uh, we made a lot of edits, but yeah, we we made a lot of edits and, and here and there though. But uh, it's uh, it, it, we cut it down. I mean, what 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 one thing the um, producers do, what they tell you is uh, cut it down, cut it shorter. <laughs> shorter movie. We need a shorter movie, and I, and you know, with someone who you know, you write and direct and you edit it. It's it's I, I get you're too attached to it. And it's going to be a bloated film that needs to be cut down. So I'm always, of course attached to a lot of it. They're like, you got to cut that scene. I'm like, but uh, no, that's the scene where this and that happens. I can't cut that. <laughs> um, but so uh, they saw like a uh, an early rough cut. I, I showed a, a a lot of people an early rough cut of it in New York, and uh, it went over well. And so I I knew that I um, I knew that we had like um, a, a movie that had uh, the scares were working. Um, it just needed to. Uh, it needed to come down from the 96 minutes it was at to the 91 minutes, which was which uh, was what we finished at and what's on Amazon um, too. And uh, so there's some some things that had to be lifted out, and which was good though because I had some scares in there that I thought were incredibly cliche and I was not liking them at all. And so I was like, good, I, we need to cut time. I know exactly where we're cutting. That's going. That's going. <laughs> you know, like, uh, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so. Oh no! Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> No, I think I was, uh, I think you called me in a ramble there. I'm glad you called me off. <laughs> All right. Awesome. I guess my other question. So you guys filmed in a real haunted hotel. What was the atmosphere on set like? Uh, it's so cool. That place is amazing because it's, it's, it is a maze. So nobody knows their way around. I knew a little bit more than the, the actors in the crew because I'd, I'd been there scouting now for like months before we got there. So, and I, but I still myself, like didn't really know where I was in the hotel a lot. And so it is an abandoned hotel. Um, a woman uh, named Angie Moyer, uh, she she uh, rents it, I think, now uh, out to do seasonal haunted houses in it. And so when I contacted her, uh, I said, like, hey, you know, I'm shooting this movie and I'm looking for a haunted house to partner up with to shoot it in. And it just worked out perfectly that it's an abandoned place itself. And that's what the script called for. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I went out to it and, and met her and she gave me a tour of the place I, and I was like, first question, I'm like, where the hell are we? I don't even know. Like we've been walking down these hallways and everything. Like, I don't, I like, if this place was on fire, I'd be dead. Like, I, cause like, there's no way I'm getting out of here. And so then that, that's when I knew like, this is perfect. Uh, so yeah, and it, it's just cool that uh, it, it helped too, that the fact that they run a haunted house, meaning that we didn't have to like, uh, 
log like set up a lot of our own infrastructure of like electricity and like lights and uh, you know, haunted house lights i mean and like uh you know you know the the strobes and everything like she had like all that, that she had all that set for us and i was like perfect these sets are practically already made the only thing that was challenging for us is we had to do this we had to do the sets in different ways we had to make it look abandoned for 20 years and that's where hell house comes upon it before they even set up the haunt then we had to make it look like hell house had took it over and cleaned it out and put up something mm-hmm. and then we had to make it look abandoned from hell house on is when diane and everything in the ending happens when she comes back after the tragedy so it had it, the that hotel needed three different looks and that was the only um challenge for the set itself but um the fact that it was a functioning haunted house made that a lot easier very cool. Seems so much fun. It seemed to... huge. Yeah, I was at one point. I was just curious because it just seemed like there was so much. But yeah. it's so cool that it was all like on location. Yeah, you mean the multiple times we follow people throughout the haunted house, yeah. and I'm still like, <laughs> I say, how much of that was scripted? <laughs> the, like it ends with like we follow yeah. them. Like it begins and ends with us following them through it, and I'm still not totally sure where we're going. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's the thing, and. uh and uh, it, the basement itself, I remember when she showed me the basement, I, I was just like, I was just like, I was in tears. I was like, it's, it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so afraid of basements just like in general since childhood. And that's like my worst nightmare basement. <laughs> yep. Oh my God. Just- Dealing are low too. It's, it's, so it's even more claustrophobic like in person because it's like the, you have to like kind of hunch down a little bit while you're down there. It's, and, um, and there's no exit. We made it seem like a, the tour goers come down the stairs and they ferry out of a, of a storm door exit out the other side, but there, there really is no exit down there. And so it's just those, those concrete stairs are the only way out. Um, so it's, that's perfect. <laughs> perfect great. and horrifying. Yeah. Oh, we're trapped. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. <laughs> Which made it great for the actors though. When they, have, when they, uh, it just made, made them, they, I would say they did uh, probably a, like a 70, 30 split on script to uh, improv. And, mm-hmm. It, it makes the improv so much easier when you are in that environment. Uh, it's it's real. It's it's claustrophobic. It's 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 creepy. And um, you know, and and it's so easy when it's daytime out, but we're inside shooting. It you know, it's it, it feels like night. There's no windows. There's any, everything's closed off. So it's it's mm-hmm. it maintains that spookiness no matter what time we were shooting. And they and they and so they felt it. And 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 I think their their all their performances were just I. I loved how they uh, how they did everything, and I think this setting helped them achieve their performance. So, yeah, I would definitely be scared if I was there. So, <laughs> was that a challenge for like shooting at all? Just like the tight quarters and the weird maze hallways. It was um, no, not really. It was fun to shoot in for that reason. It was challenging. Uh, the one scene I was uh, well, there's a few scenes I was I was nervous about just um, when they were when anytime anybody any of the actors or anybody would be running around and it'd be completely dark. I was always afraid like someone someone's gonna get injured or something like that. And like so like we we made sure we did everything with lights on and rehearse it and, and everyone knew where they were going. Then lights would go out and camera up and the only light would be the camera light but um the the obviously the most challenging scene in the film was the uh the youtube video chaos mm-hmm. getting that that was that was really challenging very tough and because you're put we brought in a hundred extras and you, so then you're bringing in a hundred people into that tight spot and you're trying to choreograph this like disaster and you're trying to shoot it from two different perspectives the one perspective we see from the tour girl side and then the perspective we see later on in the film which is behind the scenes from hell house side and trying to get them side by side and 
But that was the only thing that made uh, that made it really challenging because you, you have so many people, uh, especially like in the in the scene in the basement where they're all coming down the basement and it's a bottleneck and everyone's trying to get out on those steps and um, you know it's just you're throwing all these people together. I'm just like praying like please no one get hurt. <laughs> but, uh, everyone was amazing. The, everyone they they had so much fun doing it. Uh, everyone that came out the extras and um, so they're all troopers. They were there all day and, and outside it was raining that day too. So the best group ever. <laughs> I was I was going to ask about the uh, rehearsing and choreographing of that because it seemed like a total nightmare that paid off. But it yeah. looks like a nightmare, which is I guess the yeah, idea. But... So it worked out. <laughs> we did. It was just a process of um, uh, uh, my uh, assistant director and producers were very good at uh, uh, managing the small, like breaking every all the hundred people down to like smaller regiments, and then saying like regiment a is going here regiment b is going here and when when you hear a siren go off like you're running like hell this way regiment a is running like hell that way and then and then it was funny like um the the, the one part we had to do so many times because we couldn't get the timing down right was uh one of the tour goers was that was running out once they got outside the the hotel we're running out the back and that scene someone has a, a horn one of those air horns they're supposed to go and and it was supposed to be loud enough that the the, the fire trucks and the ambulances were down were way down the street and they're supposed to hear that and, and they were supposed to perfectly like come down and the timing was supposed to be perfect when the when the cameras like were running out with the camera and I was actually I was holding the camera for all those shots so because um, I thought that was the most dangerous part of it so I was like if anyone's going to get injured better be better be me and, um, and so uh, you know this the timing was like when I'm running out the the, the um, fire trucks have to be coming right down at the time. And then, but like getting that timing down, sometimes they're too soon. Like they're already there when they're outside and they're, or they just never came down. And I see them like down the road. I'm like, come on, guys, come on down. And that, that took a lot of takes. And I know like, you know, they're, 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 they're firefighters, you know, like and I, I can't be like, how can you not get this timing down guys? It's like, you can't, they can't yell at them or anything. Like this is not their thing. <laughs> right. And I guess I was just lucky that their services weren't needed elsewhere that night, but uh, we eventually, we eventually got it though. And they were so awesome. They're, it's great to be there for us and, and do that. And we eventually got the shot that where the time worked out perfectly and everything. So. Mm, were the clowns uh, props or were there people in those costumes? That's my main. Oh boy. Question. Uh, it all depends on which scene. Um, so I think the majority of the time there was someone in it. Uh, there was a few times where, uh, I think especially when they're sitting on the ground in the basement, I think, uh, all of them are mannequins. Mm -hmm. Um, mostly when you see them standing around, like, uh, either at the top of the steps or, um, at, at, or at the top of the steps of the basement when the head turns or, um, uh, actually the person who's in the clown, um, suit uh the most was a uh, lead actor danny bellini who plays alex when we needed uh someone to be in the clown suit uh he oh. is he's kind of tall and um uh and he's a he's a filmmaker himself too so we he, whenever the actors were down he was always like be like hey like i'm always available to help out in any way i was like do you mind getting jumping into this clown <laughs> costume for the scene you know, like, that's cool and that could know? be like an interesting like plot easter egg like oh my god it was alex the clown the whole time <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so but yeah mostly uh it depends like if there's no movement needed obviously we we, we put them in a man we put a mannequin uh that student over a mannequin and then i'm thinking i don't have any more technical questions i have one mostly but just because for my own curiosity um the the eye grabbing thing was that scripted or did you just find <laughs> out he could do that and put it into the movie <laughs> 
<laughs> that whole sequence there, there's like like there's like two minutes of um of uh the them just like like screwing around and one of them was in the uh in the kitchen there and there was one day I scheduled uh where we finished the scenes we had to do uh before lunch and I said the afternoon I got I got the five of them together and I said, guys, like here's a camera. I want you guys to go out for two hours and just film whatever the, the F you want, you know, and, and just, you know, and, um, they went out and it's, it's all improv. I said, you know, it's, you got to make it relevant, you know, make it and, and just, I just want to see just some great improv and I'll go through it all later on and I'll see if any of it's relevant. And, you know, they, they, they shot so much stuff and, uh, they spent actually most of the day filming a lot of stuff. And, um, and uh, I got so much, like I got a lot of good stuff at it. One of it, well, one of it was the uh, I don't know if you guys remember when they're out in the field like filming that commercial with the mannequins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was improv, and <laughs> that's and, so good. I love that. And, uh, <laughs> and one of the scenes uh, when they're they're back and they're uh, I think uh, it's Tony's like hammering a sign uh, together. Is like just finishing the sign, and then when they get into the kitchen and they're uh, uh, the actor Joey who's uh who uh, is one of uh, angie's work she so he at the time had worked at the haunted house um during their season uh, he's one of her, uh he was one of her uh, actors for the haunted house so she provided a lot of uh some of the the smaller roles for us to play and, and joey was one of them and uh and he i had no idea that he had even happened um until i started going through all the footage and i saw him do that in the footage like you know this is like months later i'm going through all this b-roll it was shot by them, and I was like, "Oh, that, that that's funny. That's got to go in." A little, mo- it's a it's a little interlude, and it's a little two minutes of um of mostly improv stuff that I put right in between uh, when we went from Act One to uh, really into the into into Act Two scares. Um, things started getting going, and I think that that was like I, I put that, it was like it was a little jovial, it was a little fun, like improv, and that was part of it. And I think that, that that's where I marked like this is where like shit's gonna start happening. Like it's nice, yeah. It really hammers home. <laughs> right after that, that scene with the eyeball, that's where the the innocence is gone in the scene. That's where they they stop having fun and everyone starts to get a little bit more concerned and a little bit more concerned because the scene right after that is a scene where Paul's walking through the hotel saying like, hey, stuff looks good, looks good. Oh, what are you doing in that clown suit? Mm-hmm. Standing at the top of the basement steps. And that's the scene oh, right yeah. after that. So it's like our first real scare happens right after that little, that little fun improv scene. It divide it kind of like divides Act One and Act Two uh, pretty well, and just it really gets the ball moving towards like uh, the buildup of scares as they come. And then it really just becomes the horror of capitalism as you're just trying to get through a, go- a job. You're just trying to get through a job, and all this stuff's coming up. You're like, man, if I just make it to the end of the day, it's gonna be okay. A little less. Yeah. The job eats them alive. Oh, terrible. Have you guys ever seen? Uh, well, I'm, I'm sure you've seen. Um, uh, Oh, now I'm gonna blank on it. What's the what's the the awesome movie? Oh, The Strangers. Yes. Yes. The scene uh, early on the film when uh, the boyfriend goes out somewhere, I forget where he goes, and Liv Tyler's on the phone, and then you see the masked person in the background. Uh, yes. So in the background, and they never they never allude to it. She never notices it. He's just standing in the background. I think like out of focus too. And then he moves out, and and then she turns and she the camera pans back around. It's not there anymore. I think that is one of the that is the the epitome of subtlety at its best. Subtle scares that just hit you so well, and but it's so subtle and so easy. And I love the way they did that. And I and like and that it's it's Michael Myers in the background. And all the, the the early Halloweens, 
um, where you're just walking, the characters walking by and Michael Myers is standing in the background. They don't acknowledge it. They just move by it. Things that happen like that in the background is my favorite by far kind of scares. And so that's everything I, I love in a horror movie is when they do things like that. The little things in the background that make you go, they don't, they're not doing anything. No one's jumping out of the closet. No one's chasing you. No, not, it's not like a, a slasher in that sense, but you're so creeped out by what you saw in the background. And that, Oh, you need to I, you need to see Hereditary as yeah, soon as humanly possible. I, I can wait. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's my favorite kind of horror, and that, that goes back to to like Mungo. It's like you know capturing an image, and you really have to zoom in on it, and then and to find and then to find out why you're so creeped out by this image. Um, and so, and then that's really what I went into Hell House thinking is 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 I just want a lot of those subtle moments that are you know that are so they're going to build, but I want to creep you out by by the little things that uh, you might not catch uh, first. I loved your version of that too, with the lady walking into the room and then back out. Yeah. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I watched it with my boyfriend and that was the point where he was just like, Oh no. Did you do that to him later? And then be cool. No, 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 no. I have a hard and fast rule that nobody is allowed to, uh mime horror movie scenes that i just watched after when i was in high school the first time that i ever watched the Blair Witch project the guy that i was dating at the time we were watching it in his like creepy half-finished basement and then at the end of the movie he literally just got up and went and stood in the corner (laughs) and i was like i'm literally going to murder you on the spot (laughs) so a hard rule (laughs) but yeah i think it's safe to say that we're all huge fans of this movie. So thank you for yes. making it, I guess. Yeah, this um, podcast is us just giving it a thumbs up and say, good job, buddy. We'll let that film in. Yeah. <laughs> no, because it's like, it's like, you never know if, you know, you like, you spend so much time writing these scares and then you film them and you edit them. And I'm going through these scares. Like I see every frame of footage a million times over. And so like, I'm so desensitized uh, to what I'm watching. And I'm, and I said so many times to my wife, I'm like, like, as I'm editing, I was like, I don't, is this scary? Like, I don't think this is scary. And she's like, ah, it's because you, you've watched it a million times. I'm like, no, I don't think it's scary at all. And so it's just good to know that that kind of horror, uh, other people appreciate that. The, the more subtle kind of horror and, and the less uh, jumpy, uh, you know, jump scare kind of horror. So I'm glad, it's glad to know that there's other people out there that like that style because mm-hmm. it's not for everybody. I know there's a lot of people that think it's just, you know, it's stupid. Uh, That's because so, they're all uh, really uh, excited for like The Conjuring where you just get something thrown at you every two seconds. <laughs> yeah. It's the marketing for the nun. No, that's yeah. a, that is our, like for not being a horror podcast, we do talk a lot about like, oh, we just, we like horror movies that surprise you. We're basically that, uh, a horror movie podcast. <laughs> we're basically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I guess yeah. on top of that, we're super excited for the sequel. And oh, was there a sequel? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and um, I guess we're just curious because it looks like the last thing that you tweeted about was the release date getting pulled. Is there anything that you can share about that? I I was hoping I could, but um, by now, but I can't. <laughs> um, it's mostly it's, not, it's it, yeah. I had even asked on on Friday. I'm like, is there? Any, am I allowed to talk about anything coming up? And um, and they're like, nope. Uh, so, all right well it's still uh, a huge mystery so I was gonna say, you're gonna is, have to just keep posted everybody it i don't is know still happening right <laughs> yeah that's i guess that's the main it's still coming out right can you confirm yeah. it? okay. it's actually hell house three now yeah uh, all right well true. that'll yeah that'll move me into then we'll just okay so we're not allowed to talk about the delay but yeah, i well, noticed it's mostly mostly because i uh uh I'm not really privy to a lot of stuff myself, so I, they don't want me saying anything. I, I just know that they uh, pushed the release, and um, 
it's it's uh, I don't know how long. I don't think it's going to be long, but uh, I'm waiting for them to tell me, and then I can tell everyone. And um, but uh, there's there's just other things going on right now that uh, the distributors working out with um, with other people. So it's just I. I it's going to come out eventually. Like it's just, it's just not going to be that mid September release, which, uh, which would have been two weeks from now uh, as originally planned on uh, Amazon and iTunes. Uh, but it's, I think they said they're going to have an announcement this upcoming week. So. Great. Cool. I will just assume that the announcement is that it's going to theaters and it's going to make a million dollars. No, I was going to, I was going to make a easy joke. It's actually being released at thousands of theaters nationwide now. But I noticed when I was looking on the IMDb trivia that it mentions that this is part of a planned trilogy is that in the works yeah well um, i am writing three right now and i'd always planned on there being a third film uh wrapping the whole story up uh together and and two was always just the middle film um and uh so i'm right now i'm i I, i'm pretty much i'm done with the script i'm I'm going i think uh um yeah as i always do i i write the story I i write the scares and i spend months redoing the scares and making them different and, and trying to make sure that they're there. I'm not, you know, I'm not just doing a scare that like is so cliche there. Everyone's going to be like, Oh my God, I've seen that a million times. And I'm going to spend the next few months doing that. And then whether or not I actually get to make three, I don't know, you know how it is on the indie level. It's just, if you get to, you get to, if you don't, you don't. And uh, so I, I don't know yet, but I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to be able to. And if we, and if we do, uh, we'll probably shoot, um, next September. Uh, so uh, a year from now, uh, and, and a reason a year from now is because I would, I'd want to shoot sooner, but, um, there's, there's certain, uh, seasonal uh, things we need. And there's, um, we, we need, we need to be shooting in September, October environment for many reasons. So I, I would have to wait until the next September to shoot. Well, my birthday's in September. So I'll just assume that you'll just keep making Hell House movies for my birthday specifically. So it, it really, it's for, it's for your birthday. And, and by the way, happy birthday. And um, so, uh, I'm just, I just, hope, I just hope for years to come, I can just keep on making a movie for your birthday. Uh, that's what it's always been about. And uh, perfect. That's well, all I needed. <laughs> well, in the meantime, where can people like stay tuned to find information about the movie? So when it comes out, they can give it money so that you can make the third. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, a- here's what I'll, you should do. I'll give you, you money right sell now. The Hell House t-shirts because that was what I was thinking about the whole time was that I wanted that t-shirt that Sarah was wearing. <laughs> Personally, oh me too. Yeah. So badly. Poster, so, so, yeah, so badly. <laughs> I you gotta, you gotta merch it, merchify it. We are we are very bad with merch. It's, and the reason we're bad with merch is because I say we're bad as if there's plural, but I'm pretty much a one man operation. So like that's why we're bad at a lot of things. But um. Uh, we no, but we do have a lot of requests for those shirts, and it's really cool. We made that we made a lot, a lot of uh, the shirts and the, the hoodie that Sarah's wearing in the movie, um, the Hell House hoodie, and a few other things. And uh, we've been getting a lot of requests for like people like I want to buy it. And I was like, oh, you know, maybe we should make that. Um, and we've been selling the DVD uh, recently, um, and that has been going well because the DVD has like a lot of cool content on it, um, behind the scenes uh, documentary, and um, uh, it, it also has a uh, an alternate scene in the basement that we, uh, we never had the, uh, the budget to finish at the time. So what happens in the basement at the end, uh, was never really shown cause we couldn't, uh, we didn't have the money to complete the, uh, uh, the sequence, but, um, we, we got hooked up with a, uh, an art, a graphic artist, uh, uh, you know, CGI artist at the, uh, 
later on, uh, after the film got a little bit more popularity and, uh, he took all of our green screen footage and everything that happened to Melissa. And, um, and so I recut that scene in the basement, the chaos scene at the end in the basement to show what was, what was meant to be. And then when we start selling the DVDs, um, I put in the DV in the first, like, I think like 100 DVDs that we sold, I put the actual script page. Uh, from the basement in there to show like what you're seeing added in like how we originally scripted what was supposed to be going on in the basement like all the like you know the 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 hole to hell being opened up and hands coming out and everything like that i mean that's um really what was originally intended but you, you know when you're working at such a low budget it's like well we gotta we gotta dial things back a little bit but so there's cool things like so the dvd is was like the thing one thing we were offering outside of the digital release though but uh we're hoping to start selling some more stuff awesome. uh, as well. Also, that sounds really cool. <laughs> but uh, the, the original question was, uh, where can we find out information? It's uh, the Hell House, um, the Facebook page is pretty much um, the, is where everybody finds out everything about the film because um, the uh, the distributor, um, Terra Films, they're, they're a great partner for the for Hell House 1 and they, we partnered up with them for Hell House 2. They manage that page and so they, they know everything about the <laughs> film before I do. So... Um, so they always post every update to the Facebook page uh, first. Sometimes they, they'll tell that first and they'll be like, oh, hey, by the way, you should check out the Facebook page and I'll find out later. So that that's always a great place to find out what's going on with them. And so it's it's released details that um, that are going to come out, I, I hope, by this week because, you know, um, I'm, I'm curious myself. And that's going to pro- that will be announced on the Facebook page first and then um and then uh, I, whenever I hear something, I was I was tweet myself about it. So um, you know, I, I so I'm uh, I think I'm a pretty cool <laughs> cool follower on Twitter. But guys, you can you can follow and be like, eh, not for me, and unfollow. It's cool. Nope, nope. You get that no. tasteful tweet ratio where it's not too much. <laughs> yeah, it it really yeah no that's a thing is yeah uh, that that's a quick unfollow when it's just nonstop. Uh, don't follow me on Twitter then. <laughs> yeah, my me army yeah lauren has an entire like fan group so definitely <laughs> but yeah i was gonna say i was hoping i went to the hellos fan page because i was i was like how oh. wild would that be if we were on recording and they posted something <laughs> like you'll never believe what they just posted <laughs> it's oh it's a request to fans to bombard netflix with a request to get the first one on that, okay uh, that which i already cool. did so, which yeah, i already did that. and had my mom do <laughs> yeah I way ahead of y'all <laughs> I was really bummed when I heard the news that they passed on us, and, uh, and I was like, ah. I, but I was, I what I expect, we're like, a, we're like yeah, at the end of the day, I'm like, we're a low budget found footage film. Like, what did I expect? You know, so like, uh, like I was like, ah, oh, such a bummer. But um, that's of course. So, um, but uh, I guess, um, I guess that there's a link that you could do. You people can request it on Netflix though. But that's fine. You can find that. I mean, the original is on Shutter and um, and and Amazon and. Um, so Amazon Prime and, and Shutter, those are two subscription-based, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, movie places to go. And I, I think they're better. At, you know, I, I think they're great. They're, they're, I think you know, obviously Shutter is awesome for horror, but so is Amazon. Yep. Or uh, Netflix is not not the best for horror. So. Oh yes, I totally agree with that. Oh my gosh, they have things on there that I, my mom and I actually like couldn't make it past with the first like few minutes. I don't know why or who picks this stuff. Yeah. But I can't believe they like passed on Hell House in favor of other things. So well, we'll just cool. continue to have everybody that listens to our podcast harass them to put it on. Yes. Um, but yeah, Shudder is also, I think Shudder is one of our unofficial sponsors in that they don't give us <laughs> money, but we talk about it on every episode. <laughs> so that works out. 
You guys, you guys all have subscriptions. Yeah, Tyler uh, has a subscription that we all share. <laughs> but I've had it for a long time. Yeah, so. Tyler's an OG Shutter user. <laughs> no, that was uh, actually um, I. So I had not seen Hell House before Lauren yelled at me to watch it. Uh, but I had uh-huh. had it in my queue for the longest time because I really like, I love haunted house movies of all kinds. I mean, part and so the re- very reason I had in my queue is I really like uh, first well Hell House from uh shirley jackson caught my eye and then i really like the poster the poster is just like i don't know there's it's just <laughs> really serious. fun and it <laughs> pops out uh on the screen and so i i had it in my you like the poster the first one was yes yeah with uh the one where it's uh the house like you got the, like the red and orange or yellow house kind of like in the background and then the photo with the faces crossed out yeah yeah no that's that's kind of cool i i um when they showed that to me i wasn't a big fan of it but a lot of people like it so I, you know i was like that that's fine um uh i and so i when we when i we made the dvd with a, another uh, company uh, i was able to do um uh the original poster i had made um just for my own uh self i, I we'd never distributed it but i put that poster on the dvd and but it didn't it didn't pop as much as the distributor had wanted that's why they did what they did that it's, it's more of a poppy poster though the second poster it work on me <laughs> yeah, no, that's the thing, and and I, and I think it does, and and but like and you know like it's it's complete contradiction. Like everything with me is everything has to be subtle, and everything has to be like very. I don't like things to pop. I, I like everything to be under the radar, and of course, from a marketing standpoint, that doesn't work. <laughs> you know, like you like things have to pop. So like that's a contradiction there that I get that they had to do something that was a little bit more poppy, and um, but I, I love what they did for the the poster of the second one. I think that was uh, a really. Uh, a, I really like the poster for the second one. It's kind of following a theme. And then uh, what I hope to someday put the third poster alongside all three of them, they're all going to fit together uh, very well. Um, but, uh, and, and, you know, and, the, and they did a really good job. Uh, uh, the trailer, I, I think they did a good job cutting too. And um, that seems to be getting a good reaction as well. So I'm happy about that. So I'm always working on trailers. So I'm like, don't show anything. I don't want anybody to see anything. So, but I never get, I never get my way there. Awesome. Well, I think that we are winding down now that Probably. our technical difficulties are past you know hell house th- th- hell house llc is number three on the sh- on shutter's haunted yeah. habitations list so yeah, that top row visibility yeah <laughs> it's like winding when you guys wind down do you start playing the song closing time you know <laughs> tyler's our producer also so if you want to loop that over our closing conversation i would love that please just like when we have the bad jurassic park music with the kazoo oh my god <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> I wish I still played music because I'd love to do like just like a spooky, sad cover and like whatever key like the initial music of Hell House yeah. is in. Do the closing time in that. Oh, that'd be great. Like but I'm not talented. So <laughs> hey, uh, you guys got time for two fun facts? Yeah, of course. We love. Oh, we yeah. usually do a trivia at the end. So I think you probably know more trivia than I do. So <laughs> please. Uh, you might know in, in general more trivia. I, I might know a little bit more trivia about the film, but I, I'm sure you can beat me in a general trivia. <laughs> Um, but uh, one thing I was just thinking about the uh, the piano jingle in Hell House. The dun, 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 dun. Yes. Oh. Um, that was something that uh, you know uh, I, I wrote in the script that you know Paul plays this piano jingle and um, and then it's something after Paul disappears they they all hear it playing um, in the middle of the night somewhere within the hotel they hear that jingle playing and you know that's they go down to investigate it. However, I didn't know what the jingle was going to be. Um, so I just knew it was just like some like easy couple, uh, keys and, uh, and, and the shot where they go downstairs 
to investigate that we didn't have a jingle at the time. So it's just me. Like I'm cueing the actors by myself. So I'm just like, uh, uh, I'm just doing like, uh, like audio behind. I'm just like behind a curtain going like, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I'm like dun dun, like the show that it stopped. I'm like and it stopped, and I'm like react to that, and then I'm like dun 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 dun, and so they're all reacting to my my voice um, outside, and I'm just in the next room over. But it was actually Paul, the actor who played uh, Paul Gore Abrams, that was just uh, screwing around on, on set one day. I, we had we got we actually bought that creepy old piano and brought it to set, and he was just playing around with it. And he came up with that. He's like, "What do you guys think of this?" And he did that, and. I was like that's it that's perfect it's subtle it's not much it's just a couple of keys it's easy beautiful and that and it was he he came up with that himself that is one piece of trivia and two lastly uh, i won't bore you anymore but um the last piece of trivia is that uh you guys have you guys ever heard of um the uh tragedy that happened in uh, i think it's rhode island uh, it's a it's a station club uh the nightclub uh it was a fire yeah ride. that was um that was actually the the thing that I saw while writing Hell House. That um, and I it, it happened actually that happened back in two thousand five, but I'd never heard of it. And somehow, you know how that happens. Sometimes you go down the the YouTube rabbit hole. Absolutely, you come upon you come upon something. And I came upon what I came upon. I don't know how the rabbit hole started and how I wound up there, but it was the footage that that reporter that was there shot, and he was actually at the concert um, at that bar. Um, and he's never turned the camera off. He's filming the whole time. He's just in the audience. And um, you can see the pyrotechnics catch on fire in his footage. And then you can see some of the audience. They don't know if it's real or fake. And and you see like a slow panic start to build. And then people start rushing for the exit. And then well, it starts to catch on more and more that people are like, oh, holy shit, this is this is real. This, is, this isn't like part of the show. And then it's full on panic and everyone's just like bottleneck to get out of there. And it was like a terrible tragedy. And then, and then I saw that and, and that was like the moment where I was like, that's, that's our tragedy. But we take that, we put it to the haunted house. Um, and it, it just, it's just a, such a scary thing to think about being trapped in the place. Um, like when there's a fire going on and you, and you imagine like a place that has like exits and you know where they are, but imagine you're in a haunted house and you don't really know where the exits are and you're trying to get out. So that's what I was always telling the, the extras was, uh, um, they were trying to, they were panicked. They were supposed to be getting out. And I, I never told anyone about that. I didn't want anyone to watch that video. It was actually really, uh, it's, it's, it's yeah. sad. I'm like, just imagine you YouTubing like people dying question mark <laughs> for movie yeah. scripts. I never, I never tell anyone, like I never told anyone on set or anyone that like that this, this video they were shooting right now is inspired from a, a real video that was caught. Um, cause it's, it's, it's a bummer. It's a tragedy. And I don't, but, mm-hmm. I, but I did tell them, I said, you don't know like what's going on but you just react as if it, there's a fire and you're trying to get out that's, that's such all a great to. scene in the movie too when she's yes, like just screaming like this is not part of the show please help me like uh right me chills this isn't part of the show and uh and she and uh as lauren kennedy she's such a great actress too and uh and she's the one that's the girl that's chained in the basement saying this isn't part of the show this isn't part of the show mm-hmm. anyways i decided i'd just bore you guys with some fun facts before we Oh gosh, it's not for you. No, literally, we always have a, we always have a movie trivia section at the end, so that's perfect because the IMDb page does not have a lot of trivia outside of that guy can do that with his eyeball. <laughs> so yeah, 
And if a scene is ever improv, IMDb will let you know. Oh my god, yeah. I think mm-hmm. it's just like there's like five dedicated trivia people on IMDb. <laughs> and one of them loves improv. <laughs> they were right. making fun of that on Blank Check not too long ago, too, because somebody wrote on the Brokeback page, like the way he choreographs his mouth or like something stupid yeah, that like yeah. only like somebody who cares way too much would write. So on now the we've talked about almost all of our favorite podcasts on our podcast, which is <laughs> what we usually do. Are we uh we'll be requesting that faculty of horror do an episode i'm just kidding okay <laughs> i think we've their... got all of our unofficial sponsors out of the way wait we didn't ask a24 oh kayla no yet. kayla don't so now you're just embarrassed a24 us. distribute oh, hell house llc3 that'll be the it new hashtag distributor. <laughs> i don't know <laughs> do they have a theater distributor? continuing to kill it all the time <laughs> Everything so good Oh my okay. gosh. All right. So, Steven, thank you so much for joining us. This is probably our coolest episode. Closing time. You don't have to go. Is someone going to play I add all the stuff in after the episode. Yeah, you can check it later. Oh, you don't need me to sing that. I mean, I do harmonies. We can, we can yeah. just stay quiet for like three minutes. <laughs> Just like <laughs> that's a, that's the most of the words I know. Uh, so uh, I, I was already telling you, but no more time for alcohol. So, so finish your whiskey and beer. No, 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 no. It's one last call for. Alcohol. Oh, dang it! That's that's the like the Christian <laughs> version lyric. <laughs> I don't know. This is a great bit. Closing. <laughs> Closing time has the iconic lyric, you know, every new beginning comes from some other yes. beginning's <laughs> end. And it's just so, so beautiful and wonderful. I love the 90s. I'm being sincere. <laughs> no, I, I like that. Really like too. Too. <laughs> I feel like I'm you love really, like, with a deep passion. So now I feel <laughs> We are a closing time positive podcast. <laughs> yes, we absolutely Okay, are. I just want to know, I wasn't making fun of closing time i love this song too. yes i i we're we're all of the 90s and we we, we are we, we love the 90s we love the music uh, the movies and uh, i wasn't making fun i just think it's a great way to end a podcast is by play, playing it i'm just, I'm just yeah i think you know we know so we go back and forth on what our, our ending thing is and it's usually i say something mean about a movie we don't like but it would probably be better we should just make whoever the guest like is sing closing yeah i'm really into that you already got that in me and yeah so uh but have you guys seen anything before you go have you seen anything recently that you don't that you don't care for at all oh are we gonna try (laughs) i thought you were gonna say something we liked we normally talk shit about jurassic world but then we had Stephen ray morris on the podcast and he really likes jurassic world so we had to stop doing that so that we didn't look like uh, assholes inviting him on the podcast. <laughs> so, what did we? Right I now. did uh, at one point for a little while. I was saying that Carol is a great movie and always will be. And um, I think the other one that we were doing more recently is that A twenty four is a great movie studio and always will be. But Tyler also hates that. Tyler hates everything fun that I do. <laughs> or I think we also we had their Chris Evans corner for a little bit where I would say something oh inappropriate God. about Chris Evans. Yeah. <laughs> We've had a lot of great recurring bits. Yeah, most of them are just me being like, I have to edit this later. <laughs> Which is what he's feeling right now. I yes. Think. <laughs> all right, okay, all right. I'm gonna do the social and we'll be good. Wait, did you you didn't answer the question? Did no, you? What, what, what did we watch oh, recently I, that oh, we did not? Um I don't 
I watched Coco and cried. I thought that's what you meant when you said you guys okay. like shit on something. I thought that like oh no, it's almost always Jurassic World. No. <laughs> we usually talk about things we like. We, we are to, not we often that negative. I for like a full six months, I closed every episode with Jurassic World as a terrible movie and always will. That's Which uh, that's the Chris Pratt movie, right? Yeah, <laughs> in the first one, not not the not the most recent, right? I mean, they're both horrible. But yeah, they're both horrible. <laughs> the thing about the thing about Jurassic Park is that they we have to cut all of this out. <laughs> just because of Steven. No, what's the thing about Jurassic <laughs> Park? Yeah, well, the thing about Jurassic Park is it, piss, it pisses me off so much. And um, I loved the original movie, and um, I was never more excited as a – I forget how old I was when the second one came out, Lost World – is that they had in their hands an amazing book, an amazing novel of a sequel. And Michael Crichton never writes sequels. It, obviously, you know, rest of peace, he's, he's since passed, but um, – you know, he had never, he doesn't write sequels to these books. He wrote a sequel to Jurassic Park and it was a brilliant story novel. It was amazing characters, so much fun. And they said, we're going to do a sequel to Jurassic Park. I was like, great. Michael Crichton has a great novel. They, they take his novel, they throw it in the trash, they piss on the trash and they burn it. (laughs) Jeff Goldblum has daughter, I guess now. That's my favorite. Obviously he's a gymnast and, um, you know, obviously, um, why not? And it, it, they do the silly thing with like taking dinosaurs. They wanted to do King Kong and they took dinosaurs out of Dress Park to San Diego. And it, it, the story was stupid. The movie was stupid. It made me so mad because when you when you have a novel handed to you of, of a sequel of a, of a very popular uh, movie, like take it like that doesn't happen a lot. Like it like use use the, the, the source material and they didn't at all. And they've only they've used like pieces of it. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever read Lost World, yes. but uh, they've used like, bits and pieces of it uh, throughout a lot of the, the sequels since. Um, not not I guess not the Chris Pratt movies, but uh, the uh, the one with um, uh, the third the third movie with mm-hmm. the Spinosaurus mm-hmm. one. Like there's like little pieces here and there of the book, um, in the in the following and the following two. But like they that that book was like so good, and they just ruined it. And and now it's just, it's just a it's it's such a like a studio mess. Oh, do not say that to Stephen Ray Morris. <laughs> also, thank you so much for that because I love when like that our most often recurring bit is talking shit about the Jurassic Park series. I just want every guest. Dude, don't get me wrong. I, I watched I watched them all and I rent them all and I watch them all through and um I just I I'm just I, I guess you know I guess I don't even have a big problem with the I just have a big problem with the Lost World and yeah. it's that one they should not have screwed up. And they screwed it up big time, and it's because they 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 tossed away Michael Crichton's novel for some reason I'll never know. And I just want to ask someone who was involved with that project why was his novel so discarded? Like I don't get, I don't get. They were it, like so. the dinosaurs had to be big well, angry. And I'm I'm trying to look it up, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure that part of the reason he wrote the sequel he was like is Steven Spielberg also wanted it after they made the movie. So like part of the reason he wrote yeah. the sequel, I'm pretty sure was <laughs> Crichton was probably. Or- the producer and got a credit on it too and but like i you know i, I just i don't understand and then the thing is like the, the original movie is is based so well to the novel uh they do such a great job of bringing the novel out and, and when you're going to adapt a novel to the screen they, it's so tough to do and it's so tough to make people who read the book you know enjoy the movie but they did a great job in jurassic park and and uh you know even people that like you know you get those annoying people like oh i, I read the book and so i didn't really care for the movie You'll always get those people, but no one could really say that about Jurassic Park because they they did such a great job uh, of adapting that novel and making it a great film. Mm-hmm. They just they just they went away from all of that in the second one, and it, 
I, I don't know how it did in the box office comparatively speaking, but I just know I, I walked out of it. Once I saw that they were heading to the mainland, I was like, this, what happened to the book? I'm done. This is a disgrace. And I walked out and I don't usually walk out of films. It was like my silent protest. Um, <laughs> then, then, then no one, no one recorded uh, or cared, cared about it all. But that was my own small victory. Now but. it's on record. So the world will finally know. <laughs> all right. Before we get too far again, off track. Um, I think we've been on a pretty smooth throughout. <laughs> We're only at an hour and a half. And that is like, <laughs> honestly, a modest runtime for us in an episode before you cut it. So I feel pretty good about that. All right. <laughs> yes, that is gold. And I'm so excited for that. <laughs> to be One in point, the- though. Okay, so just leave it running for yeah. So we're gonna like finish the podcast, and I'll stop recording, and then I'll start uploading or whatever. Yeah, can you make sure though what we're talking about right now stays in the episode because I think it's so fascinating to. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, this is this is the kind of behind the scenes uh, information that we came to this podcast for. It's the Not stuff- about Hell House, about our own podcast. It's the stuff that most people would say before the episode, but we were too excited and we forgot. So, um, <laughs> well, right. I mean, we, we all came from pool parties, so I mean, like it's we are all we are all. Just in a you know in a pool party (laughs) there was a unicorn floaty for children it was pretty good and you didn't bring it it's a child's birthday present i can't take it from her all right (laughs) i'm gonna do the socials now (laughs) awesome all right we're gonna go back to what i was doing a hundred years ago are you good let let tyler finish dying all right go go on without me okay Stephen, thank you so much for joining us and for your insight and your beautiful Jurassic Park takes. Um, it was so lovely. Good to get that off my chest finally. Uh, <laughs> if you are interested in talking to us or to Stephen or whatever, and you are wanting to do that, you can tweet at us at LTRFI pod. If you have something to say that you can't fit in 280 characters, you can email us at LTRFI pod at gmail.com. You can follow our guest on Twitter at, if I can unlock my goddamn phone, you can follow our guest on Twitter at SAJC05 for updates about the upcoming sequel and fingers crossed threequel third movie and (laughs) t-shirts and t-shirts yeah and dvd whatever uh you can follow tyler at tyler hannon you can follow lauren at motel siren and you can follow me at personal maps and again uh we don't have anything hard on the docket right now i think we are still trying to make that practical magic episode work um we will be in salem for salem horror fest the for the weekend of the witch october 12th through 14th we are going to be trying to do little mini recap episodes every night and hopefully being able to put those up pretty quick so you can expect a lot of horror content from us this fall season uh you can also look out for some maybe shorter half hour bonus episodes and yeah as always thank you so much for listening and i guess we'll just close this out with uh, closing time
guys, we got 50 minutes into an episode before there was a technical problem. <laughs> I just got so excited. I was I was busy thinking about the fire, like yelling at the firemen. Are you, I hope you're not this late most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been such a thing to say. Well, guys can make it. What if there's an actual fire? They would have been like, do you want your filming permit or no? <laughs> exactly. That's a, when it comes to things like that, I was kind of like, no, it was our fault. It was all on our side. You guys are great. <laughs> Dang it. Does Aww. anybody not have headphones plugged in? <laughs> I'm, I'm not wearing a shirt. Do you think that's it? <laughs> you know what? There's a shirt posse. Oh. <laughs> um, it's mostly because it's a million degrees. No, I'm kidding. I'm wearing a shirt. Uh, I, I, I knew that wouldn't be the problem, but uh, it's a million degrees where I am. Uh, I wish I, I wish I was shirtless. It but is a million degrees. <laughs> you, guys, you guys, I know you guys have a strict policy about wearing shirts while doing the podcast, so I, yeah. I adhere to it. So, thank you. <laughs> um, am I echoing? Lauren's not echoing. No. Okay. Oh, okay. Wait, did it go away? Well, I was just repeating everything you said right after you. Are you sure that's not what you <laughs> that were? also could be the problem. It's so, uh, you have a really good yeah. I'm sorry. I just, you know. This is great blooper material. It's fine. Motherfucker, we are one hour into this episode. <laughs> I know. Oh, it's stopped now. So you just stay exactly like that. Tyler's like in a half squat. I don't think I talk anymore, I guess. <laughs> Far enough away. We're sharing a pair of headphones right now because I came to this recording from a pool party. Very prepared. <laughs> and I forgot my headphones. And you anyway. did not bring the unicorn floating. <laughs> okay. All right. <clears throat> Cutting back into scene. <laughs> awesome. So oh, Stephen hung up. Oh, no. oh my God. He's gone. <laughs> okay. Cutting I back in. So, back on, so most of the technical issues should be. Awesome. Perfect. We have great. We have a great blooper reel now. 